Good evening to you all. Good to see you guys. Welcome to the Block KC tonight. Grant, thank you for that uh, excellent introduction. I hope Kirk uh, becomes a client for you. Um, hey, uh, happy that you guys are all here. Uh, I'm happy to be here. My favorite place to be on a Thursday night in Kansas City. Um, it is a special week at the Block. Do you guys know why it's a special week at the Block? What was that? No, no, I didn't, I didn't hear it yet. Did someone say Nick? Yeah, 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 yeah. If you didn't know, our fearless leader, Nick Swearingen, is getting married this weekend. So, yeah, it's, it's super exciting, incredibly happy for him. So you won't see him tonight. You probably won't see him next week. Uh, I think they're honeymooning, but uh, next time you see him, be sure to congratulate him. He's going to be a whole new man. So who knows what we're going to see. Uh, I'm excited to see it. Uh, continuing our series tonight, Practically Speaking, on James chapter 3. If you have your Bible, you can go ahead and open there with us. And uh, Practically Speaking, like we said, James tells it like it is. We love that. Um, and our first week, we're in our third week of the series. First week of the series, we talked about trials and temptations. Talked about life's difficulties. And so if you missed it, basically, when we follow Jesus, what happens is life's hardest things, life's trials, the things that, that make our faith shake, that waver us, God actually uses those to strengthen our faith, that we can press into God and count it all joy when we come across trials because God's doing something and he wants to strengthen us, make us people who are tough and can stand through anything. And then last week, Nick talked about uh, a famous passage. It, is, uh, it talks about how faith without works is dead in James chapter 2. And, and that's all about, hey, real, genuine faith. It never simply just declares itself and says, hey, I'm faith, therefore it's real. Actually, real faith always displays itself through someone's life, the way that they act, the things that they do. And that's what last week was all about. This week is really a continuation of that, and, and I'm excited to get into it. Like Grant said, it's going to be all about looking at the tongue, looking at our words, true faith. And, and the first way that James talks about here, it displays itself through our words, right? Our, our tongue is, is one of the main things that we use. I mean, it is, hopefully it's the main thing you use to communicate. Uh, I don't know if anyone is uh, doing some crazy stuff out there, but the main thing we use to communicate with the people around us. And... Uh, and I'm excited to, to see what he has to say. It's going to be an incredible passage, extremely practical, um, and so we're going to get right after it. Moments in our lives are, are marked by words. Words we say, words we hear, someone else says them to us, words we read. You read a good book, and you're like, man, that was just the season I was in. That was, that was the book I needed to read. Maybe, maybe you've got a past memory of a loved one or, or someone significant that they said something really, you know, incredible, and, and you think back now, you're telling someone else about that, and you say, I remember what they said. You know what they told me? They told me blank. And what's true, if you have that in your life, is that had an impact on you. Those were words, and those words had great power, and they still have great power in that when you think about them, when, when they bring, uh, you bring them up in your life, they make you feel what you felt back then. Words have great power. One uh, example for me, I, uh, I played rec basketball a ton in college. My career was over, so it was just for fun. And, uh, and this guy named Austin, who was an incredible basketball player, extremely athletic, um, and an awesome Christian guy, I just looked up to him a ton. We got done playing, and I had just played really, really well. And so feeling good, Austin comes up to me, and he says, man, you, man, Luke, 
you my spirit animal. And I, that's so, it's silly, but it felt good, man. I like, I'm this man's spirit animal? That's a pretty like serious thing to be for someone. And it felt good. And it made me confident in my basketball ability. I, I love it. But there's, there's that, but then there's stories, just movies. You can think of uh, how words, the dialogue, just directs the whole course of the movie. Think about the, the high point, the climax of a movie, and, and the main character. The main characters are facing all of the opposition, and, and it's getting really difficult, and you don't know what they're going to do, and then someone steps up. I'm thinking Braveheart, and, and they don't know if they want to go into battle. The army's stuck. Should we, should we fight? Should we not? And then William Wallace riding around on his horse, he says, they may take our lives, but they may never take our And then an army goes into battle, basically knowing they're going to lose. These words had great power. Another movie, I'm not, a, I'm not a huge Star Wars guy, but man, the one line, even if you've never seen it, what's the one line that Darth Vader says that everyone knows? Luke, I am your father. And not only has my dad said that 400,000 times in my life, (laughs) but those words changed everything for Luke, for Luke Skywalker. Luke Skywalker, I mean, every time you get to a, like, important point in the movie, he's flashing back to when Darth Vader told him that he was his dad. Like, what a moment. The scariest guy on the planet's like, I'm your dad. You know, it's like a pretty hitting moment that you'll remember for the rest of your life. And it caused him to have compassion or a great heart towards others around him or to fight extra hard in the moment. I I think that that's what James is talking about tonight. Words have great power. That is gonna be our big point tonight. Words have great power. Great power to change the direction of things, make an impact. We see this and we know this and James reminds us right here in the scriptures that our, our words possess power, and while they can do this, these awesome things, you know, motivate and, and accomplish great good, they really also have the power to create such havoc and evil. It's our words. They have the propensity and the power to do that. So really continuing off last week, we're looking at how, man, how is faith displayed? It's displayed in our words, and that's where James is going to be talking about tonight. So a roadmap. As we get into it, we're going to talk about three ways that James shows how our words have incredible weight and power and then look at, at the end, just some encouragement. How can, how can we be people who use our tongue, use our words in a way that pleases God and changes our lives in the world around us? So as we get into it, pray with me. God, this is a, a big topic because uh, we all talk, we all think. Um, and, and God, would you just convince us tonight that that we are, um, we're guilty before you in the ways that we have spoken, uh, but would we just be encouraged, God, that you, you want to use the tongue that you've given us uh, in such a way that, that redeems things in this world, it restores relationships. Would you convince us of that? God, would we, be, would we be convicted to use our words in a more serious, thoughtful, and beautiful way? In Jesus' name, amen. So, read with me James chapter 3, verse 1, getting right into it. It says, Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. I think it's on that next slide, if you can, uh, you can take us there. For we all stumble in many ways. And if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man 
able to also bridle his whole body. They're getting the slides out, figured out back there. They'll come up in a second, and you can read with me going forward. But a serious warning right off the bat is not many of you should become teachers. It's actually a command as well, and it's maybe that hits, you know, in the gut. For me, I'm like, this is kind of weird because I'm teaching. Not many of you should become teachers. Why does he say this? A couple reasons. Teachers will be judged more strictly. One, be judged by God more strictly. We see it all throughout the Bible. You know, the people of God, people who claim to know God, they wander, they go astray, they do things they shouldn't be doing. And what happens every time? God, he comes up to the teacher, to the leader, to the shepherd, and he says, what have you done? Why have my people gone astray? God holds the leaders, the teachers accountable for what the people do. And then not only that, you open yourself up to stricter judgment from people around you. I mean, all of you right now, you're listening to me teach and you're like, you know, Luke said that, you know, that's kind of crazy. You're like, he says that, he's kind of weird. You know, you're judging the things I say and, and you ought to be, you know, you should, you should say, Luke, just what he said right there, is that true? You know, he said the Bible said that, is that what it actually says? And that's what I, believe me, that's what I want you to do. That's what this is all about, that you would understand the Bible and not just hear my words, that you would understand God and not just Luke tonight. So do that. But when you teach, you open yourself up to that scrutiny. And then you guys also look at me and you say, Luke said that, you know, does he believe that? He said that, does, does he live his life that way? I, I open myself to that scrutiny. And for all of you teachers, if you teach, you open yourself up to that scrutiny. So he says, not many of us should be teachers. And, and I'll be honest, it is an incredible honor to teach. I, you know, I, I love it, and I, I, I'm aware that I'm undeserving of it, really thankful for it, and, and I love that I get to do it. You know, it's maybe the most important, one of the most important aspects of a Christian's life is to be taught the word of God and to be able to teach. And, and so I'm super thankful, and at the same time, and every, probably every time I teach, I, I feel those feelings of pride. You know, the, those, those feelings come up that like, man, I... I talk to a bunch of people. That feels like I'm kind of a big deal, you know? Like this is, you know, maybe I could be someone special, you know? You know, maybe, maybe I'm the next John Piper. Maybe I'm the next Jonathan Pecluda. I'm gonna have this massive platform, you know, traveling the world, you know, just thousands on thousands of people. Those are dangerous thoughts. So I have people, I confess those to people. I, I say, hey, this is what's happening. Would you pray for me? And I ask that of all of you, would you, would you guys pray for me that that wouldn't be that someone I become because that is not who should be a teacher, someone who actually believes those things. Those things, grasping for more, wanting a name for myself or for yourself if you want to be teachers, it's called selfish ambition. It's called pride. And that is not who ought to be teaching anything, let alone the word of God. And so not many ought to be teachers, and so we should be careful. Who is appointed as teachers? We should be sure that they are not self-motivated, but rather under the direction of God. And so as we see, uh, if we go back, I think we're a little bit ahead. Can you take me back a, a little bit there on the slides? Maybe you can't. That's okay. Uh, we're getting there. The scripture before that. Oh, there we go. I made the slides. There we go. I did not do them well. Uh, you guys can follow along there, but at the end of that passage I talked about, it says, we all stumble in many ways. And so when it says stumble, it means sin. 
So we all sin in many ways. We all have fallen short of the glory of God. We all have sinned with our tongue. Like we're on that same playing field. And it says that, man, if you can learn to better control your tongue, then you can learn to better control your whole body. And it starts with the tongue, for the tongue has great power. We're gonna continue on getting to point one that there is a slide for, don't you worry. Point number one tonight is there is intrinsic power in the tongue. And I'm saying tongue a lot, you're like, that's weird. Just the words, the words that come from our tongues. So we're gonna have a number of illustrations tonight, which is great. He gives us a bunch here in the scriptures. Look at the first one with me in verse three. If we put bits into the mouths of horses, you can take us to that slide. If we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. You know, this direct illustration about the mouth and the body here with a horse, and uh, you wanna direct that entire horse, control the bit that is in its mouth. There's a bit that goes through its teeth, you know, on a bridle, and it's connected to the person driving the horse. If you know how to control that bit, you can control the horse. Then the next one there, it says, look at the ships also. Though they're so large and they're driven by strong winds, they're guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. Now, so we're clear, I'm not a horse guy, uh, I'm not a boat guy, so I know there's some horse people in here that are like, Luke doesn't really know what he's talking about. It's okay, I, like, I don't claim to know. Everything I know about horses and boats is basically here in James 3. Uh, I'm learning a lot with you guys. But you've got yourself a horse. It's like a half ton, you know, just machine, right? We get horsepower from horse. It is just a powerful thing, strength unknown to humankind. We've got Olympic weightlifters that they grab 550 pounds and they do everything they can to push it above their head and then they fail and maybe one guy gets it in the Olympics and we all go nuts and that's crazy. Man, take the man and take the 550 pounds, put it on the back of a horse and the horse barely breathes differently, breathes comfortably. All of that on its back. That is unknown strength to humankind. And what's true, that same horse that is so strong, you take a little 100-pound human that is a, a, a jockey and you set him on top of that horse and they know how to control the horse. What happens? They make that horse do whatever they want it to. They make that horse dance. They are in control of the horse because they control that horse's mouth. And then you got boats. We got the largest mode of transportation back then when this was written, also today. You know, they're massive, massive machines and they carry thousands of people and hundreds of millions of pounds of goods on them. And what's happened is they get out on the ocean and the ocean has strong waves, strong currents, huge winds that hit the side of the boat. And it seems like a big problem, but that's nothing because it's, it's directed by this small rudder in the back. Wherever the captain points that rudder, the boat goes, no matter the winds, no matter the waves. We've got a picture of a rudder uh, up here for you guys. If uh, I know, there it is, pretty sweet. Yep, cool rudder. Uh, the boat's massive, and there's three people sitting on that rudder. It's about five people wide. That boat is about 100 yards long. That little rudder controls the boat, no matter the wind, no matter the waves. You get the picture, the point here. Your tongue, this two-ounce slab of muscle membrane in your mouth. It has intrinsic power beyond all comparison. 
Think your biceps are strong? No. Think your lats are doing well? No. That's the power to determine human destiny. You think, I mean, think like Adolf Hitler for incredible evil, you know, terrible things that this guy didn't do much other than make some orders and get people to listen to him, right? You think Martin Luther King, you know, a guy who used the tongue to bring about such great peace and win the hearts of thousands on thousands, and man, power to do incredible good. And we don't have to look outside ourselves too much. Look at your own life. How, how have words shaped you? Know it or not, you know, if you're aware of it or not, they have. You know, maybe a family member, or you had a family rule that you all just like stuck to and believed and that's still directing the way that you live your life. You know, perhaps, and th- this is true of me, maybe you were, you were young and someone said, hey man, you'd, you'd, be, you'd be a great chef. Have you, thought, you ever thought about that? I think you'd do amazing at that. Or you'd be an incredible engineer or, or girl, you'd make a great nurse. You should get into that. And here you are. You're a nurse. That's, that's how it was for me. I never thought about mortgages, believe me, in my life. And then all of a sudden, someone's like, you'd be great at mortgages. And I'm like, okay, you know, and I got into it. And that's what I did for six years. Amazing. Same thing with ministry. Someone's like, have you ever thought about being in ministry? I think God might be leading you there. And, and you know, that's where I'm at now. Both of my jobs, people spoke those things to me, over me, encouraged me. And then you're not alone if words have had a profound negative impact on you too. Maybe someone said, you know, a rumor, some gossip, something hateful. You know, you're you're not alone if that's you. Someone was short with you. Maybe they said, they didn't say what they needed to say in that moment and it it hurt and you think about it or they, they said something and regardless if it was true or not, it had power. Regardless if it was true or not, maybe you believed it. And it's set your life on a course, in a direction. There's a picture uh, coming up here. It's called, uh, you guys will, will recognize it when you see it. It's called the Ever Given Ship. I don't know why it says evergreen on the side, but it's really confusing. They got something wrong. The Ever Given. Do you guys know this ship? This ship was, uh, this is a couple of years ago. It's in the, in the Suez Canal in the Middle East. And this cargo ship is, is going on a, on a line of transportation through this, this, uh, this plot of land uh, that, you know, takes off days and days of travel time. So it needs to go this route, as do all the other ships. And what happened was there was this sandstorm and there were these huge winds that came up as it was traveling through the skinny canal. And it ended up like that. Stuck. And you might say, man, that sandstorm must have been powerful. Listen, these, sand, these are built for sandstorms. They're built to be able to go through huge winds, huge waves. You know what the problem was? It was the rudder. There was a rudder malfunction. There was human error on the rudder. They're not totally sure. They maybe just didn't want to rat that guy out who was controlling it. I don't know. But it caused this huge backup. We've got another picture there. It's not just that ship that was in trouble. Look at all these other ships. All these other ships in the harbor, there's, there's about, you know, 25 right there. There were thousands of ships backed up. Thousands of ships backed up just because this one ship got stuck in the harbor. Case in point being, man, one rudder that's off causes a havoc in this canal. 
Same thing is true of the tongue. One unfit word for the moment can cause not only hurt to that person or the person who hears it, but this world of hurt is possible. Leads us to our next point. This is what James is gonna drive home here in this next point. The tongue is a restless evil. The tongue is a restless evil. Verse five. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire, and the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life and set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. So James, he he gives us another illustration here. A forest is set ablaze by such a small fire, and we get this. We live in America. We listen to the news. California has had some terrible wildfires that that start with something small. Uh, In history class growing up, you read about uh, the Great Chicago Fire, and what happened is Mrs. Old Miss uh, O'Leary had one of her cows being milked, and the cow kicked a little lantern with a tiny little flame on it, and you think, oh, that's so insignificant. Little lantern, pick it up. You know, it's going to be okay. Three and a half miles later, that fire finally stop spreading. You know, 17,000 buildings are now black and burned. 250 people dead with this little flame left uncontrolled. What was, I, I just learned this, what you didn't see in your history books, that very same day, this is crazy, that very same day in Wisconsin, there was a forest fire started by a small spark from a tractor. That very same day that lasted a month. Chicago fire lasted two days. That Wisconsin fire lasts a month, burning million, or billions of yards of trees, killing far more people than the fire, the great Chicago fire. And this is your tongue. This is what happens when, when a, a fire comes from your tongue, a, a misfitting word, a, a rude word, a hateful word. It has this power, this capacity to just kill and burn with evil It causes a spiritual arson, verbal hurt. And, and, and James is just driving, driving this home with this incredible imagery. You know, it's, it's graphic language, and it gives that final touch right there in the last verse. It says, uh, or, that, or the end of that second part, and it's set on fire by hell. The tongue is set on fire by hell. We can think of many applications of this, Right? Right, right off the bat, the Bible speaks of many, but the first one that comes to mind for me is gossip. You know, gossip, we, we've talked about it before. It's basically saying behind someone's back that something you wouldn't say to their face. You know, what's true about gossip is it, it masks itself in these like, hey, did you know that? Yeah, I, I maybe shouldn't tell you this, but hey, I, I, just, I just heard this. I'm not sure if it's true, but... You know, mask, we mask it in other things like, hey, I'm only telling you this because I want you to be praying for it, but did you hear about? It says gossip. These evil things that our, uh, cap- that our tongue is capable of doing are set on fire by hell. It's not of God, it is of the devil. 
I think of criticizing two, two words. I'm gonna give you guys two words. Listen here. Two words that if we could stop using these two words, we would save a world of hurt. You ready for these words? Never and always. Two words that if you can avoid using those words, you'll save yourself a world of hurt. Maybe you say, man, he's always that way. Man, I don't, I don't know if you've met her yet, but man, she's basically always kind of this way. Or my wife, Bailey, man, man, she always is doing. Or maybe it's never. Maybe you say, man, you never care about what I have to say. You never listen to me. You're never there for me. The problem with these words is they're no longer talking about what you guys are talking about, no longer talking about the isolated event or the couple of events that are happening, but you're actually getting right to that person's soul, to their heart, and you're saying, you are this. That critical spirit is dangerous. There's flattery, so you got gossip. Gossip is saying something something behind someone's back you wouldn't say to their face. Flattery is saying something to someone's face you wouldn't say behind their back. Lying, no one taught you to lie. Mama said, clean the dishes, eat your veggies, clean up your room, share with your brother. What did you say? I did it. I, yes, I did. Meanwhile, you didn't. No one taught you that. There's so many other things our tongue is capable of, all sorts of evil. And these things we ought to believe and we ought to never forget them because they stay at the tip of our minds and the tip of our tongue. They could come out without you even thinking about it. And they seem like this insignificant thing that I just, I just kind of set it and like, we'll just move on. Man, stuff comes back up. We know this. Once a word is said, it's said. It's tangible. So we should watch it. We should remember these things. You see in that third paragraph, uh, it's a pretty funny paragraph. Every kind of beast and bird and reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed. I I haven't seen all the animals be tamed. I'm kind of just, I'm standing on the authority of scripture right here. I'm I'm looking forward to seeing like a blue whale, you know, someone riding around on it just being like, hey, you know, look at my blue whale. Haven't seen it yet. But all those can be tamed. The tongue can't. Kind of what he's getting at here is like, man, people have been delivered from hard drugs. People have been delivered from alcohol, from sex addiction, from all of these, you know, these things that seem so weighty. Yet all of those people, they find a more difficult opponent in the tongue, in taming the tongue. Lastly, on on the evil of the tongue, we've got another slide with some more scriptures here. It says, our tongue, with it we bless our Lord and Father. With it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth pour forth blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening fresh water and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives or a grapevine make figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. And this this scripture right here is gonna lead us to our third Point. Overpowering point here is what comes off the tongue unfailingly reveals what is in the heart. What comes off the tongue unfailingly reveals what is in the heart. It's not just James saying this. James, we remember, is the brother of Jesus. Jesus taught this in Luke 6, uh, verse 45. Here's what he says. Look at this next verse here. Says the good person, out of the good treasure of his heart, he produces good, and the evil person, out of the evil treasure, produces evil. 
for out of the abundance of the heart, what the, art, what the heart is overflowing with, that is how and what the mouth will speak. So what's said reveals what's inside. It just begs a lot of questions uh, that you're probably thinking right now. There's probably a lot of things that like, man, what have I been talking about? You know, what is inside? You know, what, do, what are they talking about? I should figure out what's inside them. We don't want to use this in our first interaction with people. Let's just say that. We don't want to make quick judgments on people just for one thing they said. But if you stay around someone long enough, you hear what they talk about. You can see what's in their heart. Not just at church. We can, all, we can all put on the good face, the good talk, but in any setting. James here, he's saying that. He's saying, be honest. Maybe you've got a really skilled Christian vocabulary when you come to church, when you come to the block. What's that like at work? How's that, how's that looking at work? Same thing, not? You may, maybe you're at home and it turns into like criticizing others or kind of hateful speech to your family. You know, how, what, are, what are the consistencies there? What does it look like? Maybe, maybe do you enjoy that little bit of gossip every once in a while? Like a little tidbit, you know, gossip can't hurt. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll pass that one on to my good buddy over here. You know, that'll be, kind of be fun. <laughs> Dang, James. Like, I don't know what y'all are thinking right now. Like, all of those things I just said, I'm like, I feel that, and I've been guilty of that. That's, that's been me. This hurts. You know, it's like, anyone else feel just like kind of deflated by this? It's like, this is a lot. That's some heavy stuff. This is high, a high calling. And that's what James wants to do. He's like, good. You feel deflated by these things. Good. Here's the deal. If our sin is not revealed to us, meaning if, if you don't know your sin, what you've been guilty of, how can you accept the grace of God in that area of your life? If you don't think you're guilty, you're not going to say, I need help. You're not, if you don't think you're guilty, you're not going to say, I need a Savior. That's what James wants to do here. He wants to drive you to be aware of your sins so much that you say, man, I'm weak. I need a Savior. Romans 5.20 puts it pretty simply. It says, now the law came in to increase the trespass. It's fancy language for, man, God told us what was right and what was wrong so that we would know that we are guilty, so that we would know the depths of our sin. He wanted to make us aware of that. But where the sin increased, grace abounded all the more. God doesn't want you to be aware of how sinful you are just to say, oh man, you are really, really guilty, now make it up. No, God's gonna make you aware of your sin so that he can show you how much he's gonna forgive you. How much grace he can lavish upon you in your life because you've built this debt and he said, I can cancel any debt. I don't care how big it is. God will give grace to the humble. Will you confess your sin, the sin of the tongue? If we can come before him humbly with our speech and he can do this powerful work in our lives because we, he gave us grace, because we were humble, and we can have self-control in our tongue. What has this been talking about? If we can control the tongue, we can control our whole bodies as well. We can set the course of life once we control the tongue. And that leads us to point number four tonight. We can be encouraged here. The tongue, when humbly offered to God, has awesome 
power for good. We just looked at one of the most convicting passages of scripture in the entire Bible. You know, James, he doesn't waste any breath. He's kind of like, y'all are guilty. You know, he just, he says it like it is. The truth is that the whole of the Bible has so much encouragement that the power of our tongue can be used for good. Look at some of these scriptures with me. I'm gonna blast through some of them. So you can, if you're taking notes, you can write down maybe uh, the, the reference and a keyword. I'm probably gonna go too fast, but look at some of these Proverbs right off the bat. Proverbs 25, 11 says, a word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in a setting of silver. Man, you say the right word in the right context in the right way, and man, it's like an apple of gold in a setting of silver. It's like this beautiful decor piece that people say, man, that was right. Man, that fits. It's like a a piece of art. You're looking for the right piece of art for that wall over there, and you're like, man, that's the right one. A word fitly spoken is beautiful. Proverbs 15, 11, a soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. We've talked about this a little bit. Tone matters. Not just your words matter, but your tone matters. And it has the power to set or to change the mood. Someone comes at you, you know, with a ton of bricks saying like all sorts of hateful things. You say, hey man, like, I'm sorry, I don't understand. Like, where did we go here? Like, I'd I'd love to understand. Tell me. And that that could change everything. That could change the whole direction of the conversation. Proverbs 15, 4, a gentle tongue is a tree of life. Now think about this. If you're, if you're discouraged, you know, if you've sinned, you've fallen short, and you know it, and then they know it, and you're going, you're going up to somebody, and you're just like, man, I deserve just to be ripped a new one. I'm guilty. And that person's like, hey, man, it's okay. I'm here for you. I, I, I know, I, I've, I've been guilty of that too. Man, that's, that's gonna raise your spirits immediately. You're gonna be encouraged and you're gonna be loved and feel known. Next slide, we got a couple more. Proverbs 16, 24. Gracious words are like a honeycomb, sweetness to the soul and health to the body. Gracious words, meaning that, man, you don't always have to just speak words that only fit the moment, that are only reactive, but gracious words are these words that, man, it didn't even necessarily like fit the moment, but you went above and beyond. You know, they didn't deserve this love and this grace and this mercy that you showed them, but you said, hey man, I think that you're doing awesome. And it's not flattery, but like, hey, I've seen you over there and and I've seen you serving and I'm just so proud to call you friend. You you call them up and you say, hey man, I, I, I don't know what's going on today, but I'm just thinking about you, praying for you. You gotta you got know that I love you. Who knows where they're at, but that is gonna be sweetness to the core. It's not just gonna go in their ears, they're gonna be like, what? Man, I needed that. Thank you. Proverbs 13, 14, last one, it says, the teaching of the wise is a fountain of life. So not just teaching, not just stating the facts and giving people the right facts in the right places, but wisely teaching. And when you can come in and teach someone what they need to know, when they need to know it, it is a fountain of life. So you have a tongue. And because you have a tongue, you have an opportunity and a responsibility to impact yourself and impact the world, impact others in a way that is good. God desires this for you. He gave you the body and he gave you a tongue so that this would be what you would do, not so that you would use it flippantly however you feel. That you would bring beauty, peace, sweetness, encouragement to the people in your life. 
This isn't just Proverbs. There's, there's a couple commands in the New Testament we're gonna look at as we close up here. Hebrews 3.13, it says, but exhort or encourage one another every day as long as it is called today that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. So just very plainly, have you encouraged someone today? That's the command. You live in the Christian life, you're gonna listen to God? Have you encouraged someone today? As long as it's today? Have you been encouraged today? Maybe you haven't. Maybe you could tell someone, man, I, I haven't been encouraged today. Not that like, I feel like I deserve that, or, but I do need that. Could you encourage me? Ephesians 4.29 says, it says, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as good for building up, as fits the occasion, so that it may give grace to those who are here. Those are, it's huge language. Look at that language. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth. That, that kind of gives God's design. He never designed you to have any corrupting talk. So let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as fits the moment for building up that gives grace to those who hear. What if you spoke like this? What if this controlled your tongue, this verse? No corrupting talk, only what builds up. Everything would change. So many things would improve. You would never damage another relationship. You would never be responsible for it. You would only build relationships. You would only make relationships. You'd inspire people. You'd be sweet to be around. Think of how much better of an employee, friend, family member you would be if this was you. So how can we apply all this? As we go to our last slide tonight, I've got a a few application points uh, that I'd love to just challenge us all with. First one is stop gossip. I know we all see gossip, hear gossip, feel gossip, and, and I say stop gossip, not in like, that you, you definitely shouldn't start gossip. There's that. You also shouldn't jump aboard the gossip train. You know, that's, that is part of this as well. Meaning when you see gossip, I mean, I'm not telling you that like, hey, I see gossip, stop it now. Like, that's not what you do. But if you see it, step up and you say, hey, like, I see kind of what we're talking about here. I know I'm part of this conversation sort of, but I, I want you to know I just don't want to be. You know, I value the person we're talking about who's not here and, and let me just tell you, like, I don't want to be a part of, of bringing them down. I, I only want to build them up. I mean, imagine how, what would happen if you stepped into a gossip conversation like that and said those words. You'd strike people to the core. They'd be like, oh, yeah, I don't want people saying that about me. And how can we do these things more and more? So stop gossip. Maybe someone comes to you and they're talking about someone else. And this is, this is something I've tried to do. I've heard of people doing this. Someone comes to you gossiping about someone not in the room. And you just say, hey, like, let me stop you there. Like, I know that person's not here and it seems like we're saying some stuff that, you know, isn't building them up. You know, can, can, would you go talk to them? I'm not sure if you should be talking to me about this. Would you go talk to them and then, you know, let me know how it goes. You know, I hope you guys, you know, restore that relationship. I don't want that relationship to be hurt. I don't want my relationship with that person to be hurt. So let's just, let's stop this and let me challenge you to go talk to them. So stop gossip. 
Number two is ask others about your tongue. This is a big, big one. Let me tell you guys, we don't hear ourselves like other people hear us. I mean, you guys ever, I I get to listen to myself on Spotify because of this thing, but like, I don't know if you guys have ever recorded yourself and just listened to yourself talk. It's weird. No one likes the sound of their own voice. I remember three or four years ago, my uh, best man at my wedding, a guy named Luke, he, uh, he was in a conversation with me with some other people, and he says, uh, afterwards, he was like, did you know, like, why were you kind of so harsh and unloving with them? And I go, like, what? Like, I, I, I swear I was not. I have no idea what you're talking about. I literally didn't know what he was talking about. He explained it to me. He outlined it to me, and I go, man, I would hate being talked to that way. I did that? Like you, so he, he called this out for me in love, and, and, and it was great because I said, I don't want to do that. And so in conversations beyond that way or beyond that time, he said, you know, he would point out if I started talking like that again. And slowly but surely, I kind of worked that type of talking out of my life. And, and let me be honest, three or four years ago, if I was, still, if I was talking that way, I would not trust myself getting up here to teach. I just wouldn't. It's like that is incredibly angry and incredibly hurtful. The tone is all off. Ask people for help on this because you're blind to some of the, own, the, the ways that you talk and other people see it. And last one, this is, this is something that, you know, I hope that we can have some fun with. You know, this is in the context of community here. Um, see how long you can go without corrupting sinful talk. I'm going I'm to pray here in a second, but after that moment, we're going to sing some worship songs, so we're off to a good start, you know, with those words. After that, how long can you go without any corrupting talk? And here's the deal. Some of y'all aren't going to make it out of the building. You know, some might make it a day or two, but we're going to fall. We're going to fall again. Remember the, the start of this passage. It says we all stumble in many ways. The tongue, the first and foremost. But if that happens, get back up. A righteous man falls seven times and rises again. We got to get back up and keep doing it and see how the Lord Jesus is going to do a work in your heart, your tongue, and your life, in your heart and the people around you. This is so hard. It's a high call. And you might find yourself in a spot where you're like, man, I, I, I can't do it. I'm kind of like some of those people you described. I, I, I love God and then I curse people. You know, there's huge inconsistencies in the way I speak in all these different settings. Here's the deal. God wants to retrain you. God knows your weakness. He knows the weakness of your flesh. He wants to come in and do a work. If you can humble yourself, confess these things to the Lord. Jesus is gracious and gentle to do a work because this is a work of grace, work of the grace of God in a, in a Christian's life. That's what we're talking about tonight. This is something God does by his grace for the person who has faith in Jesus. It's a tall task. Let me pray that you would be people who take it seriously and are changed by the Lord. God, I, um, I know that this is big and it's heavy and I, just, and I ask now, God, you do some, some works and some hearts and lives here. Would you, would you carterize people's lips, God, to, to say and speak and move in ways that you desire it to? 
Yeah, we, we've all fallen short, and, and I thank you that the truth is that Jesus paid for all of the past ways that my tongue has slipped, all the present ways that my tongue slipped tonight, and he paid for all the future ways that my tongue is gonna slip. And you knew that, and you loved me, and you sent Jesus to pay for all of it. God, I believe that. And God, I pray that you would convince people of that in this room. God, we, would we remember that, that where our sin has abounded, your grace has abounded all the more. In Jesus' name, amen.